Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, fellow Liberty lovers, wherever and whenever you're tuning in from. Today is Tuesday, February 20th, 2024, and this is episode 30 of the Living with Freedom show. I'm Amber S., bringing you a vision of what living a life of freedom can look like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in every aspect of life. This show is brought to you by Living with Freedom Ministries, an unincorporated private church and ministry where I help people discover and fulfill their God-given purpose, specifically through the creation of their own private ministry. Right now, like literally right this second, I am inviting you to share this show with at least one friend because we're going to cover some forgotten history and really important notes about roles and responsibilities, as well as as Constitution stuff that are really important in light of the national holiday today, which we'll get into. So please take a moment right now, copy the show link or share the social media post so we can get truth in more hands because just like money in the hands of good people does more good, truth in the hands of good people also does more good. Also, if you have ever benefited from any of, well, let me rewind. (laughs) Um, If you've ever benefited from learning things from the Living with Freedom show or really any of the Living with Freedom ministries, please consider a donation through PayPal using the livingwithfreedom at protonmail.com email. Your support helps us continue to serve God's people. Today, we're going to jump right into the holiday and the word of the day because we have a lot to cover in just 90 minutes minus breaks. And I will do my best to keep the breaks on the shorter side of things um, and stay on task on topic because, ooh, it says waiting for hosts, but I am here and it connected okay on the audio side. I'm going to ask a few of my... uh, advisor friends to see if they can tune on and um, tune in. So I'm going to grab that link real quick here. Copy. All would be helpful. Okay. I love when technology does this. (laughs) We will figure out the system. And I know that last night when I was trying to create this show for today um, in the events, it was under maintenance, so maybe that's partly why, but it does seem to be connected. Um, It just says that I'm not connected. Can someone tune in? All right, so there's that. I have that link going. Well, hopefully it's still recording. Um, Otherwise, if I get word from them that it is not recording, what I'll do is I will just start over and switch over to Facebook and we'll just do a Facebook Live. Plus, I like to get more engagement and um, Facebook Live seem to do really well with that. So 
Um, it's just a matter of figuring out some of the technology with those kinds of things. And, you know, we do what we can with what we have. And um, we're creative problem solvers. <laughs> so moving on, today's holiday of the day. And I think you guys are going to be a little bit surprised that I'm even going to touch this one. Today's holiday is World Day of Social Justice. And I was a little nervous when I first saw that, like, do I really want to do that? Do I really want to touch on such a big, big topic? And I'm, I seem to be pretty bold and be a rebel with the cause. And the answer was yes. Yes, I do want to um, touch on this topic with my own perspective and my own flair. Um, all right, we are seeing if it's, all right, someone saw it, so hopefully we'll be getting word back soon. Um, today's, like I said, today's holiday is World Day of Social Justice, but like I said, I'm also going to take a different perspective than many do in recognition of this holiday, and this is actually really going to be the main focus of our call today because I'm going to be quoting and referencing a lot of material to chew on. That being said, let's also tackle the word of the day before we start um, digging into this hardcore topic. Um, it says I'm late. Um, I don't even know what's going on. All right, let's see if it's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be bold and try to click something here start the next episode. I I really legitimately have no idea what's going on. Um, all right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go one other place and see if they can hear me either. Because um, I don't want to, <coughs> honestly, I don't want to waste anyone's time digging. Oh, my gosh. I forgot to turn those notifications off. I don't really want to waste anyone's time today um, if you guys can't hear me. Can anyone hear me? I'm I'm posting in the group chat for the show hosts. Um, it's acting weird. All right. In the meantime, until I get feedback whether or not this is, in fact, working, um, where are you guys at? Obviously, you'd have to connect to the chat somehow. Um, but where I'm at in Wisconsin, the weather has been incredibly bipolar this winter. We started out with really, really mild, like almost no snowfall all winter kind of mild temperatures. We were, it was starting to feel like spring in January, to be perfectly honest. Um, then we did end up getting this crazy cold spell um, for a couple weeks. I shouldn't say crazy. I'm from Wisconsin. We've had like minus 56 with wind chill. It's compared to the rest of this winter, it was crazy. But compared to normal weather, it's still been very mild. Um, yeah. Also. Who here does um, gardening? Is anyone starting to prep their garden? Oof. All right. That was super talented. 
it's a day. <laughs> it's a day. We'll say that. Has anyone though started their seedlings? Okay. Diana, you can hear me good. Um, also, I apologize then for the really loud bang. I dropped my phone that I was trying to message you on. Okay. That's good. So then I will stop rambling and get to the topic. Hopefully it's okay if I go a little bit over um, on time. I don't believe there's anyone after me. Um, just to make up for the few minutes it took to make sure we had um, proper. I am going to rewind just a tiny, tiny little bit. Um, to refresh the conversation, uh, the holiday of the day is World Day of Social Justice. And as I mentioned, I'm going to take a little bit different perspective. Um, and I want to tackle the word of the day before we really go hardcore into this topic. The word of the day is social justice. I decided to look up in Black's Law Dictionary and um, it was pretty meager in terms of the definition Um the main part that I found was that social justice concerns obligations of individual to community and its end is the common good. I also decided to look up social contract because with social justice, often the, the idea of social contract or compacts does come up that we as a society, as a community of people, we, um, sort of like have an implied compact or contract with each other to kind of take care of each other for the common good, that kind of stuff. So Black's Law Dictionary is for social contract. In political philosophy, a term applied to the theory of the origin of society associated chiefly with the names of Hobbes, Locke, and Rousseau, though it can be traced back to the Greek sophists. Rousseau, Rousseau sorry, um, held that in the pre-social state, man was unwarlike and timid. Laws resulted from the combination of men who agreed for mutual protection to surrender individual freedom of action. It also says government must therefore rest on the consent of the governed. Now, we know that words have changed meaning over time, whether on purpose, whether in a good way, whether in a bad way, you know, that's, I would say that's up for debate in some cases. Here, I don't feel it's up for debate. If we go back to the original intent of our founders and framers, um, you can really see their intention absolutely was liberty for all. And it's repeated in case law with Supreme Justices or Supreme Court Justices um, by founding fathers that any law repugnant to the Constitution was to be null and void. That includes laws that do violate our rights. And here's the thing. If we did not have laws that violated our individual rights and liberties. I am almost positive if we were living in a true liberty-based society where people understood that liberty equals freedom plus morality, that we would not be dealing with the social justice issues that we have today. And I want to make something clear right 
like right up front, once and for all, even though I know I'm going to have to repeat this probably for the rest of forever. We need to stop referring to the federal government as the powers that be. For believers, that title, that description should only be used for our creator, for God. So I'm going to repeat that three times. We need to stop referring to the federal government as the powers that be. We need to stop referring to the federal government as the powers that be. We need to stop referring to the federal government as the powers that be. They are the bottom of the totem pole, you guys, in terms of the hierarchy of law. If you have listened to any episode of the Living with Freedom show, I have repeated this hierarchy of law probably ad nauseum at this point. But with new listeners, I want to make sure that if you're tuning in for the first time, that you do know the hierarchy of law because we're not taught that anymore. It's something that it takes some investigation and um, independent research to really know. For some, it's very intuitive, especially if you were raised in a very, um, you know, faith-based, biblical household. And I don't want to say religious household because there are some denominations that also have their own hierarchy um, that is not really biblical. We'll, we'll put it that way. Um, the true hierarchy is based on the concept that the created can never govern the creator. So if God created us, we can't govern God. God governs us um, as parents. And yes, I am, I am of the gentle parenting, connected parenting philosophy. And I also recognize that there are some things that I as a parent just have to have a hard line on, like don't put your hand on the hot burner. Don't stick your finger in the outlet, right? That's governing. The parent governs the child. Now, we don't have to do it like a dictator. We don't have to do it like a tyrant. We can do it with love and compassion for that which we created from our bodies, right? (laughs) The reason I, I give these examples, though, is when it comes to the government, they act as if they created us. As they as if they are the creators, and that's not farther or that couldn't be farther from the truth. We the people created our state government, and from that we had representatives create obviously, you know, two hundred two hundred fifty years ago, create the federal government, which really works for the states, and by default then works for us. But the federal government then was given this really limited scope and range of its actions um, and its powers. And all other powers, all other rights and liberties were retained by the state and then the people. So the fact that we give the federal government, especially the president, so much power, we've turned it into a patriarch or um, a... Uh, parliamentary or even a kingdom by focusing so much on these rulers. Honestly, we're treating the present. We're treating, you know, these, these federal government leaders as rulers instead of our subjects. And that needs to change like right here and now. 
We need to start being ballsy about educating our friends and family that God and our founders ordained us, the people, at the top of the food chain, not the elected officials whose job is actually to work on behalf of us, not as our boss. And I have said time and again, um, maybe not as much on this show, but if you've known me for any amount of time in person, um, words and, and the frequency and the intention behind our words absolutely matter. Even if we're jokingly insulting a loved one, there is an unconscious level of those words. So if it's a playful banter, still know that there is energy to those words, even if it's said in a loving or or joking kind of manner. So when we say powers that be, we need to realize that powers that be has an intention of sort of like ultimate ruler And if we're putting that intention behind saying powers that be about our federal government, we are ranking federal government on the same kind of pedestal that we should only be ranking God, our creator. I'm just going to like leave the mic drop there. (laughs) Um, I've also mentioned in previous episodes, but if you're new, um, I am a huge fan of Chris Ann Hall. She's a constitutional attorney, especially a First Amendment attorney out of Florida. She has a plethora of fantastic content for the Liberty Lover. And I've been going through listening to um, the oldest to the newest of her podcasts. Right now I'm in the middle of, let's see, 2019 in terms of her podcasts. But I went back because as I realized today was Social Justice Day or World Day of Social Justice, I remembered an episode within the last few months worth of episodes um, that she had talked about this concept, maybe not directly, but very much in terms of remembering that if we create laws for special interest groups, either in favor of or in opposition certain things we need to realize those laws are going to come for us next so she addressed in in really it's a few short days of five years ago in 2019 the podcast was from february 25th and it's called let's see 225 state reps and governor support historical arrest of rosa parks i listen on spotify listen on your favorite streaming platform is shocking that we have state reps and governors today that would support the arrest of Rosa Parks. She also talks about in this podcast about law enforcement, about the sheriff and how even if one sheriff had stood up for her constitutional rights, what could that have changed? It could have and should have changed a heck of a lot. A heck of a lot. So I highly recommend going and listening to that episode. Actually, in in 2019 so far, I mean, I love all of her episodes, but it seems like in 2019 she has really gotten back to basics and connecting current events with these historical tidbits that are really our solid rock foundation that we should be leaning on. 
Um, so I'm going to close that, get back to my notes here. Um, in partnership with that podcast, she also wrote a blog post on her chrisannhall.com website dated March 2nd. And it's regarding a letter that she actually wrote on February 23rd. And the blog post link will, it is in the show details um, over on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, and it's sure enough, I'm just going to read it. Um, I, I believe I've quoted it well enough so that I'm not like plagiarizing, I hope. <laughs> I'll ask for forgiveness, I guess, instead of permission. Um, it's publicly out there. It's not like I'm I'm trying to claim this as my own. Chris Ann Hall wrote this article and she wrote this letter. It's on her website, chrisannhall.com. Um, the article, like I said, is dated March 2nd, 2019. It's called Letter to Law Professor Jared Goldstein, Roger Williams School of Law. And let's see. What I love about it is that she really touches on a main point, that the law, the constitutional laws, as well as the founding, as the founders and framers, they're already very much in favor of this concept of social justice and equality and equity. It's really the lack of unbiased enforcement that has been the issue all along. So no, we don't need more laws to try to force social justice as it's impossible to legislate our way to freedom. And no, we don't need to squash down any group of people in favor of a special interest group as long as we follow liberty, which, as I just mentioned a few minutes ago, um, equals freedom plus morality. All right, the letter reads, Note, the following is a letter I, Chris Ann Hall, sent to Professor Jared Goldstein, Professor of Law and Associate Dean for Academic Affairs at Roger Williams University School of Law. I emailed this letter on February 23, 2019 and have, to this day, not received a reply. It is only when I received no reply that I decided to make this email public for two purposes. One, to encourage others who may read or hear error or false assertions given by someone um, society entrusts with the responsibility of the title of, quote, professor or, quote, expert, to write to that person and offer correction and or discussion. Often when people contact me with their comments or concerns, the discussions we're having or we have are very beneficial to both parties. It is essential in the preservation of liberty and truth that we do not stand silent in the face of error. And two, to offer encouragement to Professor Goldstein to actually read my email and consider the facts presented and perhaps alter his perspective and therefore aid in the education of truth to the students of Roger Williams School of Law and thereby the future of America. I hope the general reader will find not only education, but inspiration to take a public stand. Quote, "'Tis not in numbers, but in unity, that our great strength lies." End quote, said Thomas Paine, and Americans must be united in truth and liberty. In liberty, Chris Ann Hall. All right, so here is the letter. Dear Professor Goldstein, Goldstein, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it, I am a former prosecutor and First Amendment attorney, graduate of the University of Florida College of Law. I read your quote in the NPR article about the authority of the sheriff to refuse to enforce laws that deny the rights of citizens. I'm deeply disturbed by your implication that those we elect to be the guardians of our rights must slavishly enforce laws that operate to contrary 
to their elected purpose. The sheriff is not an agent of the government. He is an elected representative of the people with an obligation to the people and their rights first and to the government and laws second. Why would you return the office of the sheriff back to pre-Magna Carta times when the sheriff was merely an agent of of the king? You see, it is not about, quote, refusing laws they do not like, end quote, as you submit. That is um, disingenuously simplistic. It is a duty to protect and defend the rights of the people, whether the attack comes from a criminal or an out-of-control government or its agent. You allude to claim that you represent a higher moral ground when suggesting sheriffs must simply enforce the laws put before them. That is not a higher moral ground, but a tyranny that has been denied through the ages. I'm sure I don't need to remind you of the common defense offered at Nuremberg. Contrary to your assertion, a sheriff who was mindful of defending rights instead of enforcing laws would have refused to arrest Americans in the cafes of Birmingham. Yet your premise gives permission to the officers who committed the atrocities against those people in the name of the law. Can you just imagine the pride Americans could offer in their history if just one sheriff had said, quote, Mrs. Parks, this law is wrong and violating your rights, so I refuse to enforce it. You sit wherever you want and I will escort you home, end quote. I ask you to reconsider your opinion consider some history and facts regarding the rights of the people and the proper role and duty of those elected to defend them. I humbly submit to you the following treatise on this issue. And she um, shares a link to her article about, let's see, in regard to the recent ratification of laws denying the right to keep and bear arms to law-abiding, uh, law-abiding persons. And then she says, I respectfully wait for your reply, Kristen Hall, J.D., So I know that felt really long. Um, When I try to read it with inflection, it does become a little bit longer than if you're just reading, you know, in your head. But I wanted you to hear how that should have been communicated. And she would have had much more passion than I even did. You see, sheriff's role, because they're elected, is to work for us. And that is easy information to find out. Um, even easier if you're a, a student at Chris Ann Hall's Liberty First Society, um, because she goes into this. She has resources and references to original source documentation to back up what she says. And that's what I love about Chris Ann Hall. She is not just a person of passion and of you know of, of great interest to freedom, she goes back to original source documentation from our founders and framers and beyond. I mean, she she even references the Magna Carta here. She's read it. She's studied it. She knows it. She understands the history of why things happened the way they did, what decisions were made and why, for good or bad. Um, And that's, that's really what I love about her. So the fact that Southern Poverty Law Center disparages her and says that she's, I don't know, some extremist or some, I don't know, um, is quite comical 
because she is one of the few that I have seen that references more resources than just about anybody else, with exception would be David Barton. I know there are others out there, okay? These are my my two favorite. Um, maybe just because of the way they communicate, but I, I really like their content. Um, and this is not an affiliate recommendation for Kristen Hall's Liberty First Society. I get absolutely nothing from recommending it. And if you have not gone through her program yet, this is the time. First of all, it's high time that we believers, as well as anyone of any faith, um, you know, where love your neighbor is a virtue. It's time we step up and take responsibility for loving our neighbors. How can we do that if we don't know how we're supposed to be acting and behaving? I mean, go back to your, your first constitution, which is, you know, your Bible. That's your compact, your contract, your covenant with God. That's going to tell you how to love your neighbor. But then look at the Constitution. Look at the Declaration of Independence. Look at the Bill of Rights. Even look at the Magna Carta. Because we should not be brushing off the responsibility and really the honor of serving our community off on the government when it's not even their job. It's also not their delegated power to forcibly take from all of us to give to those in need in some altruistic, albeit dystopian, sense of responsibility. When we do that, we're literally saying, oh, I can't take care of myself or community. I need my government to take care of me. Like, how weak of a, a stance is that? It makes us victims instead of victors. And I do not subscribe to being a victim. I refuse. Even when I was a survivor, and I still am, obviously, that's like part of my part of my life. I'm a survivor of domestic abuse. But I claim that title. I'm a survivor. I'm a victor. When I got out, I became a victor because I recognized that I not want to be a slave. I do not want to be a victim anymore. So I claimed the authority and the title of survivor. I don't want to be seen as weak. Yes, I have weaknesses, as do all of us. That's where that's where being a believer comes in. That's where having faith comes in. Because where our weaknesses are, that's where our creator steps in. Even if you believe in universe, you guys, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Christianity out of this just for a moment. Even if you just believe in like universe being the source of all energy, all power, all whatever, there's still the law of attraction that what you put out into the world, you get in return. So are you going to choose to put out weakness and neediness, a victim mentality to get that in return? Or are you going to put out there that you're a victor, you're a conqueror? That you are a liberty lover and you will stand on those rights. That you will be successful serving in the way that you're destined to serve. Using the tools and resources and the experiences that you've been given. Like I said, like this concept spans more than just Christianity. Now, yes, I do believe, based on reading the uh, Founder's Bible and a lot of other things, our founding fathers worked we're believers. 
they base this country on those moral precepts and those moral concepts. And it's for a reason because they're so clearly laid out. You know, don't steal, don't murder, don't cheat, <laughs> don't worship anybody else. It's so simple when we break it down. And yet we've made it so complex so that we can slough off that responsibility. And yes, I want to, you know, shift blame a little bit because I don't think it was all us. It was what we were taught in these schools that we were that we were supposed to be able to trust to teach us what we should know. And yes, we we recognize now, at least a lot of us recognize now, that we never should have put that trust in anybody other than the parents. That trust and responsibility. Since we are talking about loving our neighbors, though, I wanted to, um, actually, you know what, before we touch on that, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. Um, and then when we come back, um, I'll, I'll touch on this next part. All right. We'll be right back. All right. Well, it seems that I am not able to click on any of the commercials. Let me double check here quick. Yep. So there's there's still a glitch in the system. <laughs> well, what I will do instead is I will open up my referrals and affiliate links one. Um, basically what the commercials are, um, definitely please, you guys, tune in to the other shows on Freedomizer Radio. We have a lot of amazing hosts sharing a lot of awesome freedom-related topics, um, and we're working on adding even more hosts. So there's going to be more shows and more variety coming. Um, So go to freedomizerradio.com, go to the schedule and check out the other, you know, check out the other shows. That's going to be my, my plug for the show (laughs) in lieu of the individual commercials. Another way that we take back our rights and defend our liberties, you guys, is that how to win in court without a lawyer course. And I know that a lot of people have clicked on the link. When you look at the $280 for the year or whatever it is, maybe it's $80 for the first year. I don't even remember. But when you realize how much content is on that website, and yes, it's a really basic website. It's nothing fancy. It doesn't need to be because the content is what's important. But when you realize how much content is there, the 80 bucks for your first year or 280 bucks or whatever it is, I don't remember, um, for subsequent years, you know, membership or whatever, it's so valuable because the stuff that you're learning in the How to Win in Court Without a Lawyer course would take you, in my opinion, it would take more than a law degree to learn because what Dr. Fred Graves teaches is actual law so that you can truly defend your rights. He's not just teaching the good old boys club and what the bar association wants you to know and do. So when it takes, when it comes to taking back your rights, really it's, 
just don't leave that part in the hands of someone who's not even going to fight for you, who's not even been taught how to properly fight for you. I definitely recommend this course. It is very much worth your time. In theory, if you're not a parent or, or if you can take like a, a mini vacation, um, in theory, it's possible to cram study this course in like a weekend. I don't recommend it. You're not going to take away as much as if you, you know, take 15 minutes a, um, a day or even a week and just read. Even if all you do is read and not take notes, it's so worth the investment. So that if you're ever challenged with something that's not right, not truth, and violates your rights, at least you know where you can go to defend yourself. Because what happened in 2020 never should have happened. And if all of us had taken this course and had known this content prior to 2020, I don't think they would have gotten as far as I did. So please go to the How to Win in Court Without a Lawyer. Or no, no, howtowinincourt.com, question mark, refer code, equals SH0024. Uh, and because I have not actually taken a real commercial break, I am going to take a sip of water quick. Because when you're talking for 90 straight minutes, you get a little dry in the, you know, dry in the gills. <laughs> the other thing that I want to recommend is Tall Hair, T-A-H-L. We go to, um, oh, what is it? TallOrganics.com, T-A-H-L, Organics.com. And you use the code AMBER20. You can get 20% off your first order. They have hair care products. They have skin care products. They have microfiber hair towels. Um, they have like one of those little silicone um, scalp massager things. Awesome stuff. The products are all clean, all plant-based hair and skin products. She's always adding more. Um, she's great at, you know, receiving feedback on products like I just mentioned um, something about one of the um, products and like hey have you tried XYZ and she's like you know I was actually already kind of thinking about that thanks for the suggestion so like there, she's awesome Her name, the owner's name is Coriel and I adore her so tallorganics.com use the code AMBER20 for 20% off your first order um, if the code doesn't work, shoot me an email at livingwithfreedom at protonmail.com um, so I can let her know. Um, I haven't heard of anyone having issues with the link, but, you know, technology glitches just like with our show today. <laughs> All right, back to the show. According to Pew Research Center, only 2% of 18 to 29-year-olds know all of their neighbors. 20% know most of their neighbors, and 54% know some. 23% know none of their neighbors. So I'm in the next demographic. I didn't, um, I do have the link here, but I didn't keep it open. I just copied that statistic. I'm in the next demographic, but it wasn't that long ago. I was in the 18 to 29-year-old range. 
And the fact that 23% of 18 to 29-year-olds did not know any of their neighbors is appalling. Now, contrast that with the fact that 65-plus-year-olds, they knew 6% of them knew all their neighbors as opposed to 2%. 34% knew most, whereas the other range was 20 56 know some, which is pretty close to the 54, and only 4% knew none. 65-plus-year-olds, that's like 1950s, 60s, 70s era, right? Um, where, trying to think of how to take that. <laughs> I had a couple different directions I want to go. Yes, let me let me share the last statistic here that I found. Um, they also found that those who did know at least some of their neighbors were more than twice as likely to have a face-to-face conversation several times a week than by phone, email, or text. And of the people who said they knew at least some, over half of those reported never meeting with their neighbors for parties or get-togethers. Over half, you guys. What happened to backyard barbecues? You see, we've let so many things divide us that we've literally become afraid of our own neighbors. The people who, at least geographically speaking, live the closest to us. I remember hearing stories about when we first moved to where I ended up growing up here in Wisconsin and how finances were so hard sometimes that my parents didn't know how they were going to get groceries at the end of the week. You see, I grew up in the 16th poorest county in my state, but my parents never turned to the government for help. They worked their butts off. They helped their friends and neighbors for trade. But most of all, they were members of their church, and when they were in need, their church family stepped up. That is how it's supposed to be, you guys. Yes, it takes making sacrifices. It takes being creative about ways to have fun with kids without expensive trips to Wisconsin Dells like other families did. But here's the thing. Because of the hardworking and entrepreneurial spirit my parents had, they built from scratch. And I literally mean from scratch because the motel they bought was treated like a landfill by the previous owners. They built from scratch not only one business, the motel, in the community, they built two. They also built an HVAC business. And we remain the only real in, which now we're a ministry in, have been since like 2020, 2021. But we've remained the only in in town and the only HVAC business in the county that does commercial work. I'm not saying this to toot horns, though I recognize and understand if you're in a place of struggle, it might feel like tooting horns. But I want to challenge you and invite you to explore a different perspective. My parents were essentially nobodies in the community when we moved here. They weren't part of the big family names that owned successful construction companies in the area. Um, The nearest people with our last name were five to six towns over, which is like 30 to 40 minutes away, maybe even farther. And in rural USA, that could really be a long ways. But when we take ownership of our communities, our neighborhoods, helping our neighbors or letting them help us, then we don't need to rely on the government to take care of us. 
And there is some serious pride in that. I think we could really take a beat from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I mean, what did he sing about on his show? Back when I was a kid, I I honestly did not really like Mr. Rogers. I thought he was a little creepy because he was so overly kind and sweet and thoughtful and generous. I felt like nobody is real who does that kind of stuff. Like nobody actually exists who is that nice. And then comes YouTube where I learned that, no, Mr. Rogers in real life, man, I'm getting choked up, (laughs) getting fired up over this. Mr. Rogers in real life really was that guy. Can you imagine if we all took a beat from Mr. Rogers, how quickly and how massively we could change things? We need to stop turning over that honor of helping those in need around us or accepting need from those around us. We need to stop sloughing off that to the government, which forcibly takes from others. It's like the whole idea of Robin Hood taking from the rich, giving to the poor, but it's the government forcibly doing it. It's just there's a lot of stuff messed with it. As I started watching Kristen Hall's Liberty First Society prepping for this show um, and also wanting to acknowledge, quote, minority leaders of their time, she said this quote, those who battled with the most powerful government on the planet believed that those yet unborn possessed a liberty worth dying for. Americans have become so comfortable in convenience so pacified in prosperity, so lazy in luxury that we barely step outside of our own box and think about the future of liberty. But when we do, do we actually contemplate the price that must be paid? Because they did. They not only contemplated it, they paid it. She also said, quote, the ramifications are eternal and we will be held accountable for the ignorance of our children. If you have not seen the God's Not Dead series, um, I definitely recommend it. You can go to Pureflix. And again, this is not an affiliate link. This is just a strong recommendation for really good quality, um, wholesome content. The God's Not Dead movies are amazing. They're worth getting on DVD, even though I know that's kind of outdated, <laughs> apparently. But especially epi- um, episode, um, the third movie. Throughout the whole thing, they, they kind of touch on this, especially um, the, the main pastor's best friend, who's also a pastor from um, Africa. I don't remember where. But he was struggling to, the main pastor was struggling to write a sermon at one point um, and he asked his African pastor friend about it and he basically said the concept of freedom isn't free but what he said is that in Africa they have to fight day in and day out to survive for their rights that come Sunday they're so much more grateful for making it another week. 
It's so much easier when you have so much to lose and you know it to be grateful for what you have and to fight for it. But when we've been bubble wrapped in our society with these you know, cushy lives that we live, it's really easy to forget that it was bought and paid for by the blood of our ancestors, the blood, sweat, and tears of our ancestors. So it's really important to remember. And something else she said, um, I'm not quoting it. This is a combination of her words and mine. But let's dispel the myth, honestly, the actual outright lie that the only people who created our Constitution were a bunch of rich white dudes. Because they weren't. At least not all of them. The following I got from her Forgotten Fathers um, course in Liberty First Society. This is definitely a non-exhaustive list, and I, I kind of proved that fact later on by pulling a few other names from, honestly, I pulled it from Wikipedia. And no, I don't trust Wikipedia that much, but for a quick and easy answer that we can go dig into farther, it's it's okay for like a Cliff Notes version. But these men and women who believed in liberty for all, they're worth remembering. And there's more than just the ones that signed our Constitution or our Declaration. For instance, you've, you've probably heard me mention Crispus Attucks in previous episodes. He was a freed slave, and he was the first one to give his life at the Boston Massacre, fighting for our independence from Great Britain. Remember that the Boston Massacre and the Revolution, uh, the Revolutionary War, you guys, this was pre-Lincoln era. This was pre-Civil War era. And when he died, a Boston Globe article stated that his funeral was the highest attendant procession they had ever seen. And it turns out that he was buried amongst other patriots in an honorary cemetery with white men and with, you know, patriot women alike. He was not an, an anomaly either. And I know when we hear just one name, it's easy to think, oh, one man, he's an anomaly. Like, you know, Martin Luther King, he's an anomaly. No, there are many. It's just that we've intentionally not been told their names to make it seem like these are one-off situations, but they're not. The next name that she mentioned is uh, this Colonel George Middleton. He was one of 5,000 African Americans who served with the Bucks of America, which was a colonial militia made up of freed slaves on the Patriot side of the Revolutionary War. 5,000 freed African Americans, you guys. And he also started the African Benevolent Society of 1796 to help care for the orphans and the widows of those who died in battle. They were already working to abolish slavery from our from the time of our revolution, you guys. It was the British that tried maintaining control and who conned and blackmailed people into maintaining slavery. Black men were citizens and were free, at least in part, in large part, prior to the Civil War. Otherwise, George Middleton could not have ever established that nonprofit. Another name, Peter Salem. He joined the Continental Army as a free man. He received a Medal of Honor from Washington. He is the one who killed Major General John Pitcairn. Um, 
and he, this is the one where I looked up on, on uh, Wikipedia. These are some of the other names that were part of that battle. Philip Abbott, Bar- Barzillai Lou, Salem Poor, Titus Coburn, Alexander Ames, which I've heard that name before, uh, Cato Howe, and Seymour Burr. These were additional freemen. But most of these names, except for me studying this stuff, I've never heard before. Another name, um, in the video she said Ned Hector, but on the graphic it said Edward Hector. I don't really know which one it is. Didn't have a chance to look it up. He fought in the battles of Brandywine and Germantown. And history tells us that those ones didn't go so well. So they were they were ordered to retreat, but he refused to retreat when they were ordered. And he shouted out, quote, the enemy shall not have my team. I will save the horses or perish myself, end quote. Turns out, you guys, he not only saved the horses, he also saved the cart that they were pulling that was loaded with arms and ammunition. Another name, James Fortin. He was son of freed blacks. When he was 14, he um, entered the battle for liberty. He was in Philadelphia, and he heard the declaration. Whew, this one gives me chills. He was in Philadelphia and heard the Declaration of Independence being read out loud in public for the first time. He was a 14-year-old who was taken captive and offered a really good life on the British side, but refused to become a traitor and was eventually released in a prisoner exchange. At 14 years old, you guys, our 14-year-olds not only don't even know how to use a, a firearm, they don't know how to drive. Most of them probably don't know how to ride a horse because most of us don't have horses anymore. Like, what 14-year-old in modern times could have done what he did? Now, yes, there is some extent where I do believe letting kids be kids, but I do also believe in making sure that they are well aware of our history and how much it takes to to defend our rights and our liberties. Another name, Bernardo de Galvez. Turns out he was the governor of Louisiana before it became a state, and he believed in liberty so much that he secretly assisted American forces by um, smuggling in arms for them, and he eventually also led um, the most diverse unit in existence at the time, which contained um, Spanish, Mexican, American, and American Indian soldiers. You guys, there was so much diversity 250 years ago already. It's just that we haven't been taught it, so we don't know when it exists. Reverend John Witherspoon, he was the president of the College of New Jersey. He said, quote, there's not a single instance in history where which civil, civil liberty was lost and religious liberty was preserved entirely. Turns out, under his philosophy as, as president of the college, um, the following ended up um, coming through his university or his college. Nine future cabinet members, 21 senators, 39 congressmen, three Supreme Court justices, 12 governors, one vice president, and one president, which was James Madison. 
They all went to the College of New Jersey, where Reverend John Witherspoon was the president, and learned his philosophies of liberty. How freaking cool is that? And yet we've never heard his name. At least I haven't. And he proves that not everyone will battle on the field, but many of us can help educate about liberty so we can stand against opposition. Phyllis Wheatley was taken from her um, birthplace in Senegal at the age of seven. Thank God the family that took her took her in as a family member, and by the age of 14, she was publishing poems in the local paper. You see, they believed and they knew that the future of their children meant freedom and that there was no other way. This is my favorite. I think I'll stop at the examples here. We'll see how we do on time. Betty Zane. I had never... Oof. If I don't cry sharing this one, it's going to be a miracle because this girl... This girl is amazing. So amazing. Betty Zane. So she and her family had taken refuge in in an American fort, which ended up growing slim on provisions, namely arms and ammunition. So she was out walking one day. She was walking past this other fort that was occupied by the British and American Indians that they had recruited. And then she had this idea that, hey, she's just a 17-year-old girl. No one's going to question she just walks into this other fort. So that's exactly what she did. She walked into this other fort, walked right to their powder, I think it's called a powder house, wherever they keep their, their ammunition. She walked right in, loaded up her apron with canisters of powder, and booked it out of there. And they were basically, it sounds like they were just stood there dumbfounded that this girl had the, honestly, she and all of these women of liberty had bigger balls than any bull. <laughs> I cannot imagine being there and seeing this 17-year-old girl hike up her dress, not in an appropriate way, just like, you know, pull up her boots, march into this other fort like she owned the place and steal the, this powder, this ammunition. This is just crazy, you guys. All right. Um, I do have quite a few other names, so I'm going to have to start picking and choosing. Um, let's pause for another commercial break. Let me see if I can get the commercials to work this time. Um, new. Awesome sauce. See if a different clip works. Nope. All right. Which also means we're not going to have closing music at the end. Okay. I will take another sip of water, do another affiliate link share, and then we will jump right back. Okay, more than just a sip. (laughs) Okay. From Watered Down History, the intentional omission of important facts and principles to to agenda-driven opinions, our kids' public domain education is not giving our kids what they need to enter the real world and be critically thinking, problem-solving, non-history-repeating adults. That's where Tuttle Twins comes in. 
They have an entire collection that is always growing for kids of all ages and honestly for us adults who want to go back and relearn what we should have learned from the start. To check out their stuff, and I know yesterday they were having a President's Day sale. I don't know if it's still going on. Definitely go check. Um, and, you know, Easter's coming up. Um, definitely suggest considering getting some of their content for your kids for Easter instead of candy and junk. That's my two cents. But uh, go to TuttleTwins.com. Tuttle is T-U-T-T-L-E, twins, T-W-I-N-S.com, backslash ref ref backslash living with freedom i'll say that one more time tuttle twins.com backslash ref backslash living with freedom all one word all right and then let's see i'm going to share about earthly as a medical freedom advocate i Love and support what Earthly has done, which is maintain integrity of ingredients for truly clean wellness products. And I love that they refuse to be bought out. Um, There are, and I'm not going to name names, but there are a lot of other wellness companies that have really been bought out by bigger corporations. um, And then their products went to crap. I I just found out, actually, I won't sidetrack, but what I love about Earthly is they have promised they will never sell out. Uh, my favorite product of theirs still is their Good Night Lotion, which uses magnesium to support sleep, detox, healthy blood sugar levels, and gut health. Um, they have so many other products, too, that are just as amazing. I just That's the one I've really tried and really loved so far. Um, so check them out. They're Earthly, E-A-R-T-H-L-E-Y.com backslash ref, backslash living with freedom. And then the last one I will share with you guys, um, just to take a little bit of a break here from the heavy dose of freedom fighters, is Thrive Market. You can order healthier foods, especially like your favorite snack foods or um, kitchen staples. You can order these healthy options and have them shipped right to your door. They now have, I think, weekly or biweekly options, so you don't have to do it just monthly or with like a, a special one-time order. Um, but I love that they have more than just food, too. You can have it all delivered right to your door. Especially if you live in rural areas, sometimes access to this healthier stuff is really difficult. Um, you can go to THRV, so like Thrive Without the Vowels, Thrive.me backslash M as in Mary, K as in Kevin, V as in Victor, 7, D as in David, X, like xylophone. I don't know. All right. We're going to take one more sip of water, and then we will come back to the show. I love water. (laughs) Actually, I do. Um. You guys, Kristen Hall was genius when she put this class together because these names, it's really freaking hard to pick and choose. This next one is a woman. Um, she was called Mary P- or uh, Molly Pitcher, but her actual name was Mary Ludwig Hayes. She not only, oh, stop reminding me that the show is live. All right. 
she not only carried water to soldiers on the front lines, but when her husband, who was a soldier in the field, who was the one to arm one of the cannons, when he fell in battle, she picked up his ramming staff and manned his cannon the rest of the day by herself. And an enemy cannon shot passed directly between her legs without doing any other damage besides carrying away the lower part of her petticoat. You guys, she didn't run or flee. She didn't abandon her post. She stayed there the entire day, even after that, even after her husband getting hit, even even after almost being taken out herself by a cannon. And George Washington gave her an appointment as a non-commissioned officer. So men recognized women's value, even then. Crispus Attucks, these other men that, you know, fought too, they were recognized. I don't think you realize, like, slaves weren't typically, you know, I'll, I'll just say slaves. Slaves weren't really buried in the same place as, as you know, white people, or at least black slaves. Like, And I think we also need to remember, and maybe this is just my own personal bias talking, blacks were not the only people that were slaves. Remember that the Irish, the Japanese, almost every culture on earth, even Jewish culture, Jewish people, they were all slaves at some point. We all have that dark part of our history. Yes, we would love to have acknowledged and love to have in our past. But I do want you guys to know, I should say and, and I want you guys to know that even 200 and whatever, 50 years ago, these people were already being recognized as having value, as being catalysts when done what they did, things could have gone a totally different direction. There were free men and women of color, you know, black men and women, African Americans. There were free African Americans before the Civil War and before Lincoln. I know they don't want us to to think that happened, but there's at least 5,000 of them because we know that the Bucks of America had at least 5,000 um, you know, free black men fighting for them. Um, okay, this one was kind of, um, I want to say entertaining. Prudence Cummings Wright. She was the captain of her local militia, and she organized 30 to 40 women to become the local militia while their husbands were at war. And they were defending this bridge. Um, she ended up saying, no foe to freedom, foreign or domestic, shall pass this bridge. And it turns out, you guys, her brother Samuel Cummings was going toward that bridge with Captain Whiting. But Samuel Cummings recognized his sister's voice and told Captain Whiting that she would never let them pass. And he turned back. Samuel Cummings, her brother, turned back. Well, Whiting was arrogant probably so he went on he ended up being taken into custody of these women searched and they found treasonous papers in his boot and they handed him over to the local committee of correspondence this band of women did this 
and yet they want wanted to make women at that time seem weak and uneducated and maybe like hedonistic. I I don't know. Just they don't want to value women's role at this time. Or consider Deborah Simpson. Samson? I want to say, I think it's Samson. She made a man suit, like a, a army suit. She marched 30 miles and enlisted as a man. She enlisted as a made-up name, Robert Shirt, Shirtless. Um, she ended up getting hurt a couple different times. Once um, she had a, a musket. Is it a musket ball? I don't Whatever it's called. Um, in her thigh. But she was so afraid of getting found out during surgery as a doctor that she pointed out to the doctor this lesser injury in her head so she was dismissed and she tried to dig it out herself out of her thigh and when she couldn't she tried to stitch it up as well as she could and I know this is gruesome I'm trying to like skip over the details she tried to clean it up as well as she could for herself and then she I think ended up getting sick you know who knows maybe it was lead poisoning malaria whatever it was um and the doctor who was caring for her did end up finding out but he respected her enough to maintain her secrecy of you know that she was she not a he (laughs) think of the movie mulan right um he ended up falling in love with her and someone told someone and someone told someone else so that general george washington ordered that this quote robert deborah sampson be honorably discharged. She ended up serving for a year and a half and was greatly honored by many men. Um, let me see. There's so many. Penelope Barker, she was she was kick butt. I almost said the other one. She was kick butt. She was quoted saying. Maybe it has only been the men who have protected the um I don't think that quote is right. I'm gonna paraphrase because I think I wrote it down wrong. Basically Penelope Barker was was saying like yeah, it's it's really been just the men defending our our rights and our liberties up to now. And then she said, that only means we women have taken too long to let our voices be heard. Um, I'm trying to skip some here. Rebecca Mott, 175 British troops had seized her home for their use as their headquarters. And as she watched her home burn so that the British couldn't use it, she said, I am gratified with the opportunity of contributing to the good of my country and should view the approaching scene, a.k.a. her burning house, with delight. You guys, she found friggin' delight in watching her own home burn to the ground just so that the British couldn't use it. That's ballsy. Um, This Esther DeBird, Bert Reed, she began the Ladies Association of Philadelphia to raise funds for the hurt. She made sure that all the prestigious women of the time would join because this was going to be a respectable 
and highly respected organization. Okay. One of the other things that I want to share is the Declaration of Independence. And the reason is, is what it says is very much in alignment with the idea of social justice. And again, it it really holds true to what I said earlier, that we don't need more laws to try to force equality and equity. We're already born and given by our creator equal rights. We just need to stand up for them and defend them. And not against each other either, against the government that has overrun you know, our rights and our liberties by taking so much power. So I'm going to read just the first little bit of the Declaration of Independence. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. Now here comes the famous part, but also a really, really important part. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, and they mean men and women, they mean Human, you know, mankind, humankind, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, not to give these rights, to secure, guarantee, protect, to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, a.k.a. people, among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, from the people. And, I I am embellishing here, and that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, a.k.a. securing our rights, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government. Now, we have a really good foundation, you guys, with our Declaration, with our Constitution, with the original 10 Bill of Rights um, amendments. We have a good foundation if we actually learn and understand its original intention and the intention behind how and why it was created. We don't need to scrap it. We need to learn it better. And we need to get all of the voices out of the way between now and when these things were written and also digging back to the conversations that were happening at the time they were written. Get rid of everything in between now and then, or then and now, and jump back to what it really meant. Because I can guarantee if we get to that point of understanding, we can all agree we can all agree that we all have 
equal rights. That we're all equal. We're all given unalienable or inalienable rights by our creator. And then we all have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We need to just take it back. We need to stop... Honestly, we need to stop being lazy and expecting government to hold our hands. But again, that goes back to victim mentality mentality, and how weak we have considered ourselves. We are capable, but it also takes making priority what's important and also making sacrifice when we need to make those. We've become so distracted by technology, and I myself am guilty of this too. I love playing games on my phone or doing the Facebook scroll. And as soon as I catch myself each time, I put the phone away, I close Facebook, and I get back to what I was doing or what I was supposed to be doing, (laughs) I should say. But we need to be intentional. And and I've said a couple times that we cannot legislate our way back to liberty. Our best bet is to to abolish the laws that were contrary or are contrary to the Constitution. And back to the self-responsibility of owning our own crap. Like, it's no one else's job. It's not government's job to take care of us. And yeah, I know it's a hard pill to swallow, especially when we've been exhausted and run down for so long. I've been in a place where, um, you know, where I've turned off my subscriptions to um, Spotify or Netflix and, and Hulu and whatever else. Um, you know, my Thrive Market, <laughs> um, my essential oils every month. Like, I still come across times where I need to rein in my budget to be responsible for myself. I also consider how can I give back? So I do my best to try to make sure that I always have enough where. If I can even give $5 to somebody who can't quite, you know, I don't know, left their cash at home, whatever, Um, pay for their coffee, Um, get a coffee for someone who looks like they're just having a rough day, sit down and listen to a neighbor who just lost a loved one or a favorite pet, like whatever it is. Make some time to get to know these people. Next time you see them out mowing their lawns, pop over and say, hi, how are you? My name is. (laughs) What do you do? Offer that, I mean, if you're in a place, like if you have a broken back or something, like obviously don't offer something you can't do, but like, I don't know, if they're elderly, offer to help them mow their lawn or offer to help them salt their sidewalks, scrape the snow, whatever. Like, there's so many things that we can help with. 
and that we can be of service. And it just feels so amazing to be of service. If I could give any amount of homework or any any advice, any recommendation, that's probably what I would say is find one way that you can be of service this week. I mean, I would like to say daily, but it's sort of like a random act of kindness. But it's it's more than that because you're building the relationship. You're not just doing a random act. You're caring about your neighbors. Especially the neighbor that seems misunderstood. No, I'm not saying put yourself in a dangerous situation. Absolutely not. Like, But sometimes, sometimes we do misunderstand uncertainty or the unknown as dangerous when it's really not dangerous. Trying to remember what it was like in college. If your college had a lot of diversity, which mine did, it was the second most diverse um, campus in the state in Minnesota, um, and it had the set. No, I shouldn't say that. Had the second highest population of uh, international students. Um, when you have that much diversity in the dorms, it's really easy to. Um, you know, have conversations waiting for the elevator and find commonalities like, oh, is there a is there a big old pothole at the end of your street? It's something simple as, man, I wish they'd fill that pothole, right? <laughs> like, or, man, it's been a weird winter, right? Find some common ground. It's not that hard. I know you can do it and I know we can do it. But this is how we get the government out of our business and take back that responsibility, but also that honor. I want to share one other thing. Um, John Adams, who, if you recall, was a signer of the Declaration, um, in a letter to his wife, he had said, the women of America were a more numerous and powerful Oh, I typed that one wrong, too. The women of America were more numerous and powerful than any other group of people in America experiencing this new understanding of freedom and liberty. The reason I bring up that quote is in that same series of letters back and forth between John Adams and his wife, Abigail, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I guess, was quoted um, referencing something in this email or in this letter series where he compared including women in the declaration with like who's next the 12 year old boy the American Indian like all these other things and she took it as his disrespect for women and I have not read it myself I'm only going based off of what Chrisanne Hall said in in this recording um, or in this training but I do trust that she has read these letters and analyzed them and what she found is that he not only knew the important role of women and their value and their worth but he, he 
everyone has a sense, you know, everyone gets to have a sense of humor. He was sarcastic, like, oh, you want women to vote now? Like, playing dumb. Um, or you want women to be free now, too? Oh, really? Like, that's how I imagine him saying it. He was basically saying, like, oh, if you want women to, you know, be free, too, what's next, a 12-year-old boy? Like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Sometimes we need to go back to the original source document to understand the true context. So whenever anyone, including me, gives a single quote, please, please challenge me and go read the original context. Make sure that whoever is speaking has the correct interpretation of that quote and it's not being taken out of context. And for myself, like, if I am ever wrong about an understanding or an interpretation of something, like, I welcome dialogue. I welcome having a conversation. Like, let's have a conversation. Let's dig into the resources. I by no means am an expert. I know Chris Ann Hall. I consider her an expert. Maybe others don't. Um, but let's go back to the original sources. Let's dig into it and and see what truth with a capital T looks like. Even if we will never know the exact truth because we weren't there, we can still get a better idea of look, I should say, of, by looking at these other resources. Um, let me look back. I actually finished a little bit faster than I thought. So let me go back and tell you about one or two other women that I skipped. Um, there's this woman called Nanye. Um, she was also called Nancy Ward. She was a beloved woman of the southeastern Cherokee. She was also a respected warrior and leader. It turns out that, in my opinion, she was like another Pocahontas because she essentially acted as a go-between or like a delegate between, or I should say with the white settlers. Um, her specific tribe of the Cherokee were actually um, kind of the lone wolves. They disagreed with waging war against the white settlers. And in 1780, she actually was advocating for peace and let the settlers know about planned attacks. She also helped to free white prisoners and fed the starving. In July 1781, she also ended up becoming ambassador and participated in a peace treaty between the tribes and the settlers. I mean, that really is like a Pocahontas 2.0 kind of story. But that also shows it wasn't just men of color and it wasn't just white women. It was women of color, too, and multiple colors, not just, you know, free black women. It takes all kinds to make the world go round, you guys. And that's the beauty of it. I, I've, always, I've always hated this idea of being colorblind because our differences are really what make us beautiful. Because when we get down to it, when we realize and acknowledge that we all have God-given natural and alienable rights. The differences then don't matter as long as they're not infringing on my rights. If your rights 
don't infringe on my rights, we can both live in harmony. I don't have to eat the food you you eat, and you don't have to um, use the same kind of plant medicine I use. That's what freedom and liberty really looks like. And yes, as community, we can absolutely encourage people to be more wholesome, to live um you know, righteously, things like that. But it's not the government's job to force people to change how they're living. Because as the Declaration of Independence said, we all have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All right. This is, let's see, we're close enough to time. And because the thing is acting a little wonky, Um, I'm just going to do my close here and um, yeah, we'll just see if we can get this fixed for next week. So this has been episode 30 of the Living with Freedom show. I'm your host, Amber S. from Living with Freedom Ministries. And thank you guys so much for tuning in today. We we covered a lot and I hope I was able to connect the dots. Um, Yeah. Next week, we're going to have my friend Brittany back on for part two of our three-part series about self-care, empowerment, mindfulness. So please remember to schedule this show in your calendar every Tuesday from 2 to 3.30 p.m. Central, noon to 1.30 Pacific. Thanks again, and we will see you next week where we continue to explore what living a life of freedom looks like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in every aspect of life. Have a great day, guys.